Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog Podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. And I'm Melissa Edgington. And welcome to the Dallas Cowboys postgame show. <laughs> it's Thursday night. And uh, you guys have been, been with me on this Dallas Cowboys saga all November. I feel like. Yeah. My complete, utter devastation four weeks ago, five weeks ago. To tonight, um, watching the game with Adelaide, and we were so nervous that they were going to lose, and they won. They beat the Saints. Yeah. And so we took our little Dallas Cowboy ornament off the tree in the, what do you call it, the living room? This is the living room? This is the office. In the office area. And I went and put it on the silver tree in there. Yeah. So it probably looks terrible. Just for good luck. I already moved it back. I couldn't. Oh, you moved it, it back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be good to put it on that silver tree. So that's cowboy colors. It didn't look good. No. That looked terrible. Yeah. But we're proud of the cowboys tonight. Way to go, guys. And, Isn't it uh, strange how... Um, you don't care anything about it? And how I don't even have sympathy for you, really, when they lose. <laughs> it's like, that's so stupid. Because I feel like it's so ridiculous how yeah, worked yeah. up you get. Yeah, it would be like if you, it would be like as though if you were upset after watching an episode of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Gilmore Girls? I'm just trying to think of something you've enjoyed in the past that I've thought, you know, I had no cares of. <laughs> like, I, I didn't even want to learn their names or care anything about Rory. I watched, I watched almost the whole um, Gilmore Girls, whatever. When I was home with a child, see, I did that with two shows right after babies were born. Uh huh. So you're all I'm emotional. I'm sure a lot of women do that, right? Where you just binge watch TV shows. Yeah. That was before we had Netflix and Amazon. I was just watching reruns like on USA Network or oh, something. Okay. Yeah. And so with one child, I watched all of Dawson's Creek. Oh really? <laughs> And then with another child, I watched all of the Gilmore yeah. Girls. And yeah. I don't care anything about either one of those remotely. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the way you feel about the Cowboys. I think I was, those were a little past my time. So I missed those shows. Yeah. Because I was an adult and, yeah. you know, like had a life after yeah. those came out. So I got to go back and pretend like I was a teenager in the there 90s or something. Yeah. Which you were a teenager in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I'm in the aughts. Yeah. 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 But one, I was a teenager in the 90s. <laughs> one of the things that made me attracted to you the the first the first time I or when I first met you you know besides your you know smoking hotness <laughs> was that when we had the was more of a wholesome yeah you you had more of a wholesome hotness. Yeah. Wholesome hotness. <laughs> it's that whenever we had you over to our apartment for the Super Bowl, yeah, which was going to be that would have been the nineteen ninety from the ninety six season, but it was played in ninety seven Cowboys and Steelers. Is that right? That's when y'all came over. Yeah, and you had a Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt on. No, that wasn't when it was, was it? It was for something like that. It was for some game. Yeah, it was, but it wasn't in ninety seven. It was ninety five. Could that have, no? That would have been it. No, it been ninety two, ninety three, ninety four was off, and then ninety five. Ninety six, January. This has been January ninety six. This does not matter. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) 
So anyway. Yeah, not 97. It was 96. Yeah, and I was wearing my great-grandmother's Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt. And you told me that night she had even had Dallas Cowboys drinking glasses, is how much she cared. That we drank Mr. Pibb out of. And I thought, well, if she's got the sweatshirt and the glasses, this is a candidate. (laughs) If I'd only asked a few more questions, I would have figured out... She doesn't know who Gary Hogerboom is. But that's not a deal breaker. But I've, you probably told me you had Danny White's autograph. I met Danny White. Yeah. I met Danny White at, that's impressive. at the Brownwood Mall. Yeah, and you have... And, you and have I have his autograph. Autograph. And I met Herschel Walker before he was traded, uh, which led to... The, you know, that trade to the Vikings led to all the Super Bowls. Yeah. But if I'd asked a few more questions, I would have figured out she doesn't understand down and distance. Yeah. Somehow she's gone through. When did y'all start marching in band? Uh, seventh grade. She she went through seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, and then co- she got to college. And you went to some football games there. Too. Didn't you wonder how is how does this game work? Like how do they determine who gets the ball when? I just. You've seen me at football games. The way I watch football games is I just watch people. I don't really watch the game. But it never, it never, you, you never thought, well, how, how do they get to keep the ball? Well, um, you know, it's a notorious story that when I was in college, I finally asked my dad how football works. Uh-huh. And he has never gotten over that, that I went all the way through high school without knowing. But nobody ever told me. I and never he, and he, he he explained down and distance to you. Yeah. But even even recently, I feel like you didn't have a firm grasp of it. Well, probably not. <laughs> Football is truly because what's happening. If go ahead, finish your statement. Don't say anything. I mean, football's crazy. It's stupid. I I I am, know it's stupid. I, I just have no interest in football. I feel like. It's just a waste of money. It's a waste of time. It it injures people. It It's a crazy thing, isn't it? It's just I'm just not into football. Yeah, it's so dumb. It's such a dumb thing for, to to be like the biggest thing that there is. And I'm telling you, people are like, "Oh, the NFL's failing. People hate football." But when the Cowboys win, when the Cowboys are winning, people love football. They're America's team. They are America's team and there's something about those those two little linebackers. That Leighton Van Der Esch and that Jalen Smith that everyone's going to, everybody just, when they see those two guys, it's just like, you know, that's America. Yeah. A white guy and a black guy just killing people. Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> yeah, it's what it was like. <laughs> it's what it's like out there. One of them holds them down and the other one just pounds them in the head. Yeah. And, and then, you, you know, you're just cheering them on. You're like, where's that Christmas ornament? I've got to hang that on the tree. Got to give it a more prominent space. I'm happy for you when they win. Well, it just it makes the week so much more fun. When they don't win, I'm just kind of disgusted at how, how upset you <laughs> yeah, get. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> when they don't win, I can tr- truly tell your idolatry. <laughs> but there's not that many things like that in my life where I have like a worldly care. I don't even know if I've called it a worldly care. It's just something, you know, you, you just, you just, it's a lot, it's something I've been in watching the Cowboys play for my whole life yeah. and rooting for these guys, you know, rooting and every year you watch who the new players are and you see the old players roll off the team, get too old or get hurt. And it's just like the one, it's sort of a constant in your life. 
I think there's something know, comforting about that. I am not a very competitive person. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I when when we go, I mean, of course, I like to win, but you like to whip my rear end at I, bowling. But if I'm not winning, I'm not the kind of person who it gets all emotionally upset about it. I just think somebody has to lose. If it's me, that's fine. So maybe that's part of the reason that I don't understand the football mania. Yeah, I'm that way too, unless it comes to a few things like ping pong. I don't like Would, to lose at ping pong. Are you saying that you don't mind losing? Is that what you just said? I don't mind to lose. I'm okay to lose. Uh, okay. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty competitive. <laughs> the one thing I don't want to lose is church. You don't want to lose yeah. at anything. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel sometimes like we're losing at Sunday school. Like we should have more people. And I want to win that. <laughs> Sometimes I try to win things only Jesus can win. But <laughs> All yeah. I know is that if we're playing putt-putt or we're bowling and you're not winning, you are not very fun. That's probably true. But what can I say? <laughs> I, even, I even go to like a, when we have the, this is a confession. When we go to the community services... I want our group to be the best. Yeah. I want to win basically fifth Sunday singings. Yeah. Yeah. Not just for me, not for my glory, but for the glory of our church. <laughs> There's nothing spiritual about it, I'm sure. I'm just like we need to we need to bring some we need to bring the A game to this. And we need to have our harmonies need to be right on. You know, I was I was a little uh, our last performance i was a little i just was not on my game because that is a weird room to sing in over there at Southside because there's no reverb on the monitors mm. and it, so it sounds really dry and really loud and it's just a it's hard to sing there mm. i would have to change things if i sang there regularly i'd have to put reverb on those monitors yeah and i know you're thinking that doesn't make any sense but it does it does. It's just a different. It's just so different. Every church, every church in this town, is so different when you when you go to it. Yeah. You know, one thing I love about the, like I love the Presbyterian Church because it seems, um, so, like, you know, postmodern '60s, but it's and it's unchanged from that time. Yeah. Like it's got the same vibe that if you'd have walked in there in 1966 or whenever it was built, it's like the same, exactly the same. Mm-hmm. That church we did the funeral on Saturday was the same way. It was like yeah. walking into the 50s. It was built in 1950. Um, I, I like that that Presbyterian church that's here in town. The um, The Methodist church is really pretty to me. Yeah. The, 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 I love their stained glass and kind of the same way. The The, the blonde pews. Yeah. You know, a blonde pew church to me has a certain feel. I can't, I don't understand quite what it is, but it has a 60s feel to me. Yeah. 50s, 50s really, more, but more, more 50s. Um, and that's an interesting thing when you, when you um, grow up in churches and you wind up going to a bunch of churches because you're active in your association or whatever it is, and you go to the churches that were built during all these different eras and decades, and churches tend to kind of stay the same. Because they only get used one day a week. Yeah. It's like most buildings get used 365 days a week, but a church only gets used 52 a year. I mean, yeah, 50, 365 
a year. days a year, yeah. and a church only gets used fifty-two. <laughs> so a church has slower. You know, it's like sl- it's it's operating in slow motion. Yeah. And so things, and and it doesn't tend to get worn out like other buildings. People come in and they just sit around and sing. <laughs> That's pretty much what you and listen. Yeah. What do you do at your church? We listen. We sing. We go home. And then we have this one room where we have incredible meals. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I like going to different churches that have all the different, all the different architectural and Yeah, I always think it's interesting vibes. to go into different churches. That's hey. why I like going to church on vacation. Yeah. I like seeing what other churches are like, what they're doing, yeah, what's that's happening. Great. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. But I, I love, you know what I love to do? I love to preach. I love to go to church. Like if you gave me options of things, you know, I would probably I would if, if if church is one of the options, I just like to go. You know, I like to be in church. Yeah. I'm a church head. I'm a churchman. I'm a church I'm a pastor. My gosh, I've I've gone all the ways. <laughs> I've gone as far as you can go in church. <laughs> You're winning church. <laughs> what church? <laughs> it's funny too because it's it's weird because you don't really ever think of yourself as a pastor until you are one. And then you're like, what were these people thinking? <laughs> I'm awful. <laughs> Which I've told you all before that I know I'm an awful pastor and, and people are not hesitant to tell me, um, normally strangers, who are not part of my congregation. They can even tell. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. Yeah, you don't. You, you know what you say whenever you're a ki- when you're a kid. What you say you want to be in church. What you want to be a youth pastor. Oh yeah. Yeah, everybody wants to be the youth guy. Yeah. You know, because he's the one that, you know, does stuff with. You know, see, gr- if you're if you're a girl, and... if you're a girl growing up in the Baptist church, you can't say that. So you have to say, "I'm going to be a missionary." <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. We all thought we were going to Africa. Yeah, which I I don't know if I ever said I wanted to be a missionary. I don't think I did. I never thought I wanted to be a missionary. I still really, I'm open to it if I if if that's what the calling is. I've been looking at the Lottie Moon. We're Southern Baptist. We love Lottie Moon. Um, Charlotte Diggs is that what her, was that what her name was? What was her what was her middle name? I don't know. I don't know. Who cares? Who cares about Lottie Moon? We do. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm going to look up her middle name. Just so I wonder. Why? Well, because I said it, and what if it's wrong, and someone's going to correct me. I don't think anybody is going to know the difference. <laughs> Charlotte Moon? That was her name? Yeah, Lottie is short for Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte D- Diggs? Is that, is that the way you would say that? Diggies? Dig- Diggs? I don't know. That must be some kind of family name. Dijay? I don't know how you say it. D-I-G-G-E-S. Yeah. Um, no good pictures of Lottie either. Like the one we, good... The we, one, can, we considered naming Emerald Lottie. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. The one good picture of Lottie Moon, she looks just like a cross-eyed weirdo. But <laughs> Chad, it's you true. can't it's say true. that. It's true. It's true. But th- things were different back then, you know? I'm sure she was much prettier in person. Yeah. I mean... Uh, what was his name? Crawford Toy wanted to marry her. Um, yeah. So what was I going to say about Lottie Moon? I 
do not know. Where, where was I well, going? You said you were open to being a missionary. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, You know, I love Lottie Moon, and I've been watching the missionary videos from Lottie Moon. And when I watch those, it makes it, it kind of makes you want to go do that. Yeah. You know, it would, it would, and it's so great the way Southern, Southern Baptist being the greatest denomination in, ever conceived upon the face of the earth in, in Christendom, uh, the way that we sponsor missionaries is we don't make them run around begging for money. Yeah. You know, we have, we have a board that solicits funds. We have a, we have a convention of churches that's committed to supporting in a cooperative way, all of our missionaries. And so they're just out there doing the work, and we try to support them as best we can yeah. without them having to come and beg for money and beg for support, which is hard because there's some places that the IMB is not sending people, and they are having to raise support. But um, it, would, it would be great if everybody would just tithe, and then the churches would tithe. We could fund as many missionaries that wanted to go. And, you know, it's sad to hear about missionaries that want to go and there's no money. Yeah. Because there's people that are willing to do that and there's there's not enough funding to send them. Um, but we spend a lot more each year on dog food than we do missions. Mm. That's going to come back and haunt us at the judgment, I'm afraid. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I, I thought of myself as being a youth. I could see myself being a youth minister, I suppose, at some point. But you don't ever think of yourself as a pastor. I mean, do you ever sit there and think, now that you've done it, done some preaching, isn't it weird that you never, when you were growing up, did you ever consider, how is the preacher coming up with this stuff? Like, how is the preacher developing a sermon? Did you ever think of that? Yeah, not really. I just judged whether I thought I was good or not. <laughs> but you never thought about, like, that is crazy. That guy is getting up there, and he is talking for 35 to 40 minutes. Yeah, you don't realize how hard it is till you do it. Yeah. Everybody thinks that you're bad at it until they try it. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. Because the first time I did it, I was amazed I was able to do it. Yeah. I thought, well, I, I can actually do this. I, I thought I would just run through everything I had to say in about five minutes. Yeah. But then when I got up there and I just had more I wanted to say, I thought, well, maybe this is a gift. Well, um, I mean, you don't quickly run out of things to say in any setting. so. That's true. You're made to be a pastor. Yeah, it's true. You, having the gift of gab does help you. We better get to our topic. Well, I was trying to put it off. It makes me extremely uncomfortable. No, it doesn't. It really does. Come I'm, on. I'm, I'm kind of modest. All right. So we're on day 29 of 30 Days to a Deeper Connection in Your Marriage. And mm. we cannot do 30 Days of a Deeper Connection in Your Marriage without talking about sex. So we're going to talk about that. So if your kids are in the room, if your kids are in the room and they don't know what that is, they're either really little or you've failed them. And, uh, you know, if you don't know what that is and you're a grown up, um, we're probably not the best people to listen to. But, uh, yeah, we need to talk about this because, um, it's it's a pretty important as the physical aspect of a marriage for most of the marriage probably is really important. It is. I mean, I think it's one of those things that it's sort of like you can you've you've got two sides of it. I mean, you you have to say because it's true, sex is a really important part of marriage. Yeah. And at the same time you have to say sex is not the be-all and end-all of marriage. Yeah. 
It's like 15 minutes uh, occasionally. <laughs> okay, don't say that. Just Okay, okay. You said we weren't going to say things like okay. that. Can we go back and erase that? No, no, no we're leaving I it. Don't... I'm just saying, I'm just giving an example. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm saying gen, on the whole, generally, that it's a shorter period, it's a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, in the but scheme it's a, of in things. In the scheme of things, in the scheme of a week, in the scheme of a day. But it's, a, but it's an important period of time. Right. And And people think that it doesn't matter, but it really does. You've got to... Um, cultivate that aspect of your marriage uh, or there can be problems. I I feel like people either think it doesn't matter or they idolize it to Mm, an extreme point, you know, where they think if that is not right, then then they're with the wrong person. Yeah. yeah. The problem with um, bedroom issues is that people do not talk. Right. And you have to talk. You have to communicate. You have to get past the awkwardness. You have to get past your pride. You have to get past your fears. And you have to communicate about what is happening. Yeah. If you want to have a fulfilling um, sex life, you have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a major obstacle to to a fulfilling sex life these days is all of the outside influences that creep in and that um, essentially are bringing people that are not in your marriage into your bedroom. Yeah. I think the, the, if I was going to get, you know, you can give advice to the women, I'll give advice to the guys, but I think men, one of the main issues that is keeping men from being sexually engaged in their, whatever you would say in their marriage, um, is that, uh, there's too much pornography saturating even Christian churches. Uh, you know, the, they say there's not that much difference in, in the, the way that the, the men in churches are viewing porn than men outside the church. Mm-hmm. And it makes perfect sense because here you've got these phones, you know, pornography used to be harder to access, but now pornography, you know, I was listening to something today talking about the age which children first see pornography. And it's it's not a question of, um, if they will see pornography, it's when they will see pornography. Mm -hmm. And it's just these, you know, so many, think of, think of this generation coming up. I mean, even, even, uh, you know, Generation X, even boomers, um, and on down are using porn. When you look at the the when Drudge Report put up like the top ranked websites, you know you've got like Google, Yahoo, Amazon. But of the top ten, uh, a good like several of them were porn sites. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Uh, it's just, and and we live in a country where there's free expression. So the, you you can download and look at what you want, but I guess with uh, with little fear of getting in trouble. Some countries they've made it illegal and they'll prosecute. But to the guys, you know, here's this temptation, and you know, if you're a red blooded American male, if you're if you're a man, and here's all these naked 
naked pictures of people having sex or naked pictures of beautiful women, uh, you are going to, you could be tempted to look at that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of natural, I guess that you that's the way we're wired, but we're not created. And that was never the intention, um, for healthy people to have as much sort of outward stimuli as that as mm-hmm. look. And so what I think tends to happen in many marriages and I've done research on this. I listened to uh, podcasts on this. I was even studying something today that covenant eyes is going to do called safe home Sunday, which I want us to do in January or February, which is an emphasis on key, you know, um, filtering or helping kids navigate digital natives. They call these kids that have grown up all with, you know, grown up with phones in their hands, mm-hmm. um, to help them navigate these temptations. Um, I've been studying this for a while and dealing with it, um, you know, questions people have or understanding this is a, I think this is really the spiritual issue that's just totally hamstringing the church, um, is that what I think is, what I think happens, I'm not just, this is not just my opinion, I'm I'm saying my informed opinion Mm -hmm. is what happens is, is that guys get so... Um, used to the novelty that pornography offers, that they are becoming unable to perform with their spouse because it's the same person over and over again. Mm-hmm. And they've tuned their mind to just all this novelty, which is the opposite of what Solomon says. And he says, may the, may the, the breasts of the wife of your youth always satisfy you. Mm-hmm. And and what I've learned is that the the way that that happens is you you just make sure those are the only breasts that you see, that those are the only breasts that you dwell on. Whenever you're um, committed to that, and you know it, it's you know it's uh, which I was surprised tonight. I did there was like no shots of Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Hmm. Usually that's the thing you have to kind of look away from and and avert your eyes. Um, but if you'll you'll just say, okay, I'm, I know this is going to be a struggle, especially because I live in the United States, and I, you know, I, I too, uh, you know, uh, access websites and um, I see TV shows, and and you know, you read the news, and down the side of the column, there's all these stories that are showing people with. I mean, it's like you can even just look at something innocently, and there's lots of temptation mm-hmm. to look at something and dwell upon it. Um, so that it's, it's hard. Uh, it's, it's hard and it's a, it's a struggle unless you just sort of run away from it. But if you don't, but if you're consuming this, if you're not even putting up a fight and you're just consuming it and there's this big, you know, hole in your marriage where you're just not able, it's, it's like Melissa said, you're letting that pornography drive a wedge between you and your wife. Because something that's meant to just be between you and her, you're making you're you're making between you and the rest of the world, and and Satan's getting a stronghold there. So you just have to you have to stop doing that. And I think the only way to stop doing that is just accountability. You 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 can't be able to do things in secret and get away with it, and that really helps whenever that's because this, it's I I just don't know how you're supposed to fight this without help. Yeah. Because 
it's way too easy. Um, and so it's, it's not, it's not the end of the world that people are looking at pornography. I think the end of the world is that nobody will talk about it. Yeah. Uh, if people would just be honest about it and say, I don't know why I do the things I do, but I want to quit. That's what repentance is. You know, um, I love that line in Stuart Townend's song says, um, it's not where you are. It's the way you face. Mm. And, and, and so you can be a long way from, from your goal, but it's the way that you're, the way that you're facing it. It starts with that desire to say, I want to be pure and I want to be pure because I, because I love the Lord, because I love my wife, and I want to be the kind of person that is respected. But I just I fear, um, I fear these days that nobody's nobody's even trying. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm trying, and I, and it's hard. It's a struggle in this world. Yeah. Even when you're really trying. So what about people that are not give, that are not putting up a fight? It's no wonder we don't see spiritual renewal, spiritual awakening, and revival. It's because people are content to just not have it and to just have these phones where they can escape into this fantasy world where they're in control and you don't have to put up with someone else's feelings and someone else's desires. And you can just uh, pleasure yourself and use someone else to pleasure yourself. And then to say, well, I don't know why we don't have sex life that's any good, you know, um, you're comparing yourself to something that's not real yeah. or, or you're, you're desiring something that's not real and you're wanting your wife to provide that or your husband. I mean, women, I guess, struggle with it too. You're wanting this to be provided a certain way. It's totally unrealistic. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be my advice to guys is just I think the communication thing is good. Um, but I think that's the real issue for most men is you're going to have to just commit to your wife in this area and you've got to get all that other stuff to where, um, your wife is your primary desire. That's the one outlet. And that's something no one wants to talk about because it's no one who wants to talk about pornography or masturbation and all these things. But I really think the, this is killing marriages. It is just just obliterating them, yeah, creating all kinds of problems, and that nobody wants to talk about it it's It's crazy yeah and and and, it, and I believe it's crippling the church as well. I think it's holding a lot of people back from spiritual growth and from service. doing things that God's calling them to do, yeah, because a man doesn't feel any more a man doesn't feel further away from God than when he's struggling in that area yeah, or he's failing in that area. I mean, that's, you know, any, any sort of sexual sin. Um, you think of the greatest repentance Psalm written, it was written because of sexual sin. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, man, it's so, such a hard topic. So my advice to guys would be, you know, if you will turn that, all that energy to your wife, um, that's going to help. Yeah. And that's sure. going to make her feel better too, to know that you're, that she is the one place you're going for that to need to be met. Yeah. What would your advice be to the women? Well, I I think women have uh, similar problems. And, you know, the latest statistics are saying that um, 30% of women 
have been addicted to pornography at some phase in their life. Mm. So, I mean, the fastest growing group of consumers of pornography is women. Yeah, and once the pornographers learn that, I saw an article the other day on Drudge Report talking about female pornography directors. Because mm-hmm. once they learn that and they start to cater to women, it will appeal to more women and more women will fall into the sin. Yeah. Satan knows how to get everybody in the end. Oh, yeah. But women also, you know, even if they aren't looking at pornography, we have a tendency to um, watch movies, you know, that we shouldn't see and fantasize about about other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of ways that, that you can um, invade your own bedroom with people who shouldn't be there mm-hmm. <laughs> in your brain. Yeah. And, you know, sex is meant to be a spiritual experience between two children of God. And it, it we are reducing it to something so much less than that. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we can start to really try to tackle these images and ideas that we have in our minds whenever we come to the bedroom and we can start asking God to ban these things from our minds and to keep us focused on each other, it it, it really creates a totally different kind of experience. And I think that because we get so much sex advice from the world instead of the church because the church isn't talking about it. Mm-hmm that people don't understand what sex can be like. Mm. And I think that we are are too selfish, we're too self-centered, and we're too focused on everything except our spouse. So to the women, I would say, don't come into the bedroom relying on images and ideas that you've read or seen that don't have anything to do with your husband. Mm-hmm. Everything about sex for women is a mental game. I mean, it's it's a total mental um, thing that, that you have to overcome a lot of mental obstacles as a woman. Mm-hmm. And we have to be very, very disciplined in our thinking. And um, we aren't. Mm-hmm. We aren't mm-hmm. at all. Or in our cons- consumption. Christians justify all kinds of things that we look at and watch. Yeah. And we tell ourselves it's okay. We tell ourselves it's art. We tell ourselves we're learning about culture or something. But looking at naked people and watching people have sex on a screen, whether it be a movie screen or on your computer, on your phone, that is sinful and it's going to lead to problems in our relationship with our spouse Mm. so i mean that's nobody likes to hear that people hate it whenever i talk about their entertainment choices (laughs) but it's the truth it's just the honest truth it's like john piper has an article it's helpful on that he's like hey naked people are really naked yeah you know it's one thing he even he even says it's one thing if someone's using profanity and they don't mean it but two people that are naked are really naked. He's, he's like, that's, there's a lot, he kind of drew a line there. Yeah. Um, and just said, that's just not acceptable. So when I see, and I'll just throw it out there, like I see Christians that are watching Game of Thrones or something, and I think, I know that's got a lot of sexual content in it. Yeah. Um, because I've heard jokes that if you tried to filter it, it would be like two minutes long. Yeah. Um, you know. And I, I, we're, we, I think those filtering programs, or the filtering things are great. 
Yeah. You know, I know there's debate over that, but um, there's shows that are even pretty good, clean shows, and they still need to be filtered. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, when you think of the the, the standards, um, gosh, even, even things that were produced in the 80s are just kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. It's just an inter- interesting thing. But to get back to the topic, how about those cowboys? <laughs> I mean, they played lights out tonight. <laughs> no, seriously though, yes. Uh, well, sex can be a good, a good thing. It's a gift from God. It's one of those things. It's like alcohol. Um, you know, we have uh, we have a because we're Southern Baptists. We have sort of a history of being on the what did they call it? Temperance. Mm-hmm. Yawning there. Sorry. We had a tendency to be on the temperance side of things and kind of rethinking that in certain ways lately um, at, at our church. I was thinking, well, you know, it's just like if, if there's something that the Bible declares to be good, if it says God giveth wine to make the hearts of men merry, and things like that. He's like, well, this is every gift from every uh, gift from God is good, and yet here's something we're calling bad, you know. And you don't want to call something that God has made and said is good bad. But what we're saying is, this is misused so badly, we just want to stay away from it. Yeah. And I thought, what if we kind of turned the tables and said, gosh, you know, because so because this world is abusing sex so bad, we just shouldn't have it anymore. <laughs> we should stop having. And I thought, you know. To go to go to the deacons because we have a, kind of a rule that says deacons can't use alcohol uh, as a beverage, and I thought saying you know we should just go the whole thing because not only is alcohol being abused but so are drugs and so is sex. We should not take another drug. We should not have sex. We should not drink anything, you know. And that kind of shows you the ridiculousness of it, but also why we tend to have everything. We we think of everything in such a messed up way when something's abused. We want to stay away from it we want to um you know try to deal with it in some wild way instead of saying okay there's a right way to handle this and a wrong way to handle this and that's how that really is how it is with sex is there's a there's a wrong way and that's the way that the world is saying is is the is the best Mm -hmm. you know it's all about you and then there's a biblical way of handling this where it's all about the other person. And it's not about using someone, but it's about um, serving them or however you're blessing them, whatever you, whatever word you want to use. Um, it's about giving and not taking. And that's just not the way people view sex. Yeah. You know, but that's one of those areas where Christians can have a view. You know, we're, Christians, we're crazy, y'all. We are crazy. We will talk about this and talk about it in a way that, that perplexes the world. Look at the studies. The Christians have, you know, they're, they're less stressed out and they have better sex lives in the world. If they will do it the biblical way. The biblical way is always the best design. Yeah. It's always the way it's going to turn out the best. And I remember, I'll just say this. I remember in, when we lived in Lubbock in law school, one night Melissa goes to this women's event. I'm sure I was perturbed that she went to a women's event. You know, we weren't hanging out, <laughs> but you went to this thing and I don't even know who you went with. Do you remember? Did you just go by yourself or? Yeah, I just went by myself. Yeah. So she goes, this women thing. She, I said, well, how was it? She's like, well, it was crazy. These two middle-aged women just got up there and just talked about sex for 
you know, 30 minutes. And I was like, what did they say? And they said, you should have as much as it, much of it as you can. And anytime your husband wants to have it, you should have it. And I was like, I like this talk. <laughs> so what else did they say? And that was, it was crazy, wasn't it? Like, yeah. it was like these women just weren't afraid to talk about it. And they just talked about how in their marriage, this is what it was like. And they just shared it with all you people and I, all young people. And I thought that's, that's amazing that that was happening. Yeah. What other contexts have the, besides the church are you going to have that kind of interaction, that kind of mentoring, that kind of speaking, you know, of something that most people just think is nasty and, and, and bad, but they were saying, hey, here's a way that this can be used in God's design. Yeah. Uh, super and uh, revolutionary. If you, if you really, if you want to, to really talk about having a deeper connection in your marriage... I mean, sex is one of the most effective ways to get an intimate, deep connection with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And so if you're having problems for whatever reason in the bedroom, talk about them, figure it out. Don't just go on in awkward silence. Don't dissolve into a sexless marriage which a lot of people do because they're afraid to try to talk about it mm. and figure it out mm. but um you know it's a gift from god yeah and it's you know he, he did not have to give us sex in the way that he did where it bonds us together and it's pleasurable and and it's and it uh, makes makes babies and it's a, it makes but, but them there were babies. A, but there were a lot of ways he could have made babies yeah that wouldn't he didn't he didn't one. have yeah. to give us this special yeah thing between a husband and a wife so yeah. let's not take that for granted if you're having problems there get them worked out fix them you know figure it out go to a doctor if you need to but don't neglect this area of your marriage because it will it will hurt your marriage. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of circumstances, you know, if someone's chronically ill, there there are times when you cannot have sex. And there's a lot more to marriage than that. Right. But if you're both physically able and you um and you don't have those kind of obstacles, then you should be having sex regularly because it matters to your marriage, mm-hmm. it matters to your bond and your connection. You should be having it a lot. And and and, and if you're not, it can become a stumbling block. Yeah, you for know, sure. Because I don't think women uh, comprehend the male sex drive and how strong it is. So men are, this is the, you know something that's just regular and it's strong. And so the, the, if if you're not ever having to deal with that as a woman, you should know your husband's probably going somewhere else to fix that. That's not good. Yeah. And so that you know that me you know you've got to be available for each other, and. Um, that's part of the vows. The Bible, know. the Bible tells us that your it. body does not belong to you yeah. when you're married, and that's a that's something that, I mean, Chad is the only person that I can give that to, and I'm the only person he can give it to, and you know we should we should give of ourselves freely, and we should enjoy the gift of sex. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, what was I going to say about that? I had a great thought, and then I. I was, lost I was just listening to you. Yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say, but um, <laughs> I'm sure it was brilliant. It was so good. Oh man, it was really good. <laughs> you said the Bible says don't withhold. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That, that the only reason the Bible says that you can withhold 
yourself from your partner, your spouse, is for, for if you mutually agree to stop doing that for a time of prayer. Yeah. Interesting. So unless you are praying a lot <laughs> by agreement, you know, you need to be uh, you need to be busy. This this is one ar- <laughs> this is one area of our lives in Christian marriage where we fail to think of it in spiritual terms. Mm-hmm. We really do. And that's not how it's meant to be. Right. And there's a whole book, Song of Solomon, that's even about it. Yeah. So, well, that's good. Um, All right, I, we have one more episode. One more episode. I one just want to more. congratulate the Dallas Cowboys on a great victory. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm sure they're all listening. I can you hardly can sleep. That. Yeah, they're, I, that's true. <laughs> it would be weird if one of them was listening. They might learn something. <laughs> um, so anyway, so have a great, uh, have a great thirtieth, yeah. November thirtieth. So last, you know, I've been I've been loving these these like bonus days of Christmas season to me. Because Thanksgiving was early. Yeah. Yeah. So we still have one more awesome. So what I'm trying to do is get my office all cleaned up at work for the Christmas season. Yeah. I'm thinking about there's a seven foot tall Christmas tree in the fellowship hall. I'm thinking about pulling in my office, setting it up right in the middle of my study. You should do it. You could see it. You would be able to see it if you if the door was open. That'll cheer you. That'll that'll cheer you all Christmas season. I know. You, you know what's strange is we didn't used to get down the decorations at our house until fourteen days before Christmas. When you were a kid. Yeah, like the two week mark was the mark whenever we would get it out. Yeah, I think we were kind of the same. And like the lights would not go up on the house. They were only up for like two weeks. Well, they were up till New Year's, so they were just up there for you know. Yeah. Two Christmas or three weeks. didn't used to be such a big production like it is now. No. No. But all the good music came out of the times when it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we gosh, better... you've talked for such a long time tonight. <laughs> okay, so let's just hang in here. Keep playing strong defense. Let's get that offense on track. Let's see if we can get a Cowboy Super Bowl. Let's do it. All right. Great to talk with you guys tonight. And uh, I hope all your dreams come true. <laughs> we'll see you all tomorrow. Bye. Bye.